o'clock. It's 12.08. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us here. It is the week of Thanksgiving. Lots of different topics to go through, and we are going to go through them in a hurry. Let us get started. One of the things that's happened in the last couple years is there's more and more stories about persons of color who are treated wrongly. In, in various places. I mean, the one that comes to mind right now is, of course, remember this, the Starbucks situation. You had the two African-American guys that were in the Starbucks in downtown Philadelphia, and they asked to use the restroom, and they were told the restroom was only for paying customers, and then they got upset, and the cops got called, and it ended up being this, this huge incident that has opened up fairly across this country a discussion about whether people of color are treated differently than white people are. So there's no question there is that issue there. But... There is the flip side of this, the question whether there are some individuals who have decided to weaponize race in an effort to, I don't know, get attention or to perhaps scam businesses. And here's a story that's been getting a lot of attention. Maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't. It involves a Chipotle, rest, Chipotle restaurant in, in Minneapolis. And this this happens Thursday. You have... Three or four young African-Americans who go into this restaurant and they sit down, they get ready to order food, at which point in time the manager comes out and says, you're going to have to pay in advance. You were the same people that were here Tuesday who took off, who, who dined and, and dashed. You know, you know, dining and dashing, you eat, and then you skip out on the bill. And the manager says, you're, you're, you're going to have to pay in advance because you you did this and there's another employee who are saying yeah, we're we're not making food for you people you guys or whatever until you you know pay in advance at which point in time what happens is all right the 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 group that they, they bring out the cell phone and they start recording this and they record it, and it's about two minutes. And, yes, you have the female white manager at the restaurant, and, and she's saying, you know, we're no, we're, we're not going to serve you until you, you pay. The group then kind of becomes surly. They refuse to pay up front. They started shouting. They're swearing. They're asking if other customers had to pay before eating and, and all that stuff. And ultimately, they, they refuse to leave, so the manager has to call the police. Then they ultimately leave. All right. So what happens then is one of the, the people decides that he's going to post this video. His name is Masad Ali, and he decides he's going to post this video on the Internet. So they post the video, at least the two minutes of the video, and the caption is, can a group of young, well-established African-Americans get a bite to eat after a long workout session? And then they end up, you know, he, he ends up posting this. You know, saying he feels the treatment is racist because he and his friends are black. The guy goes on to write, I don't like how she's laughing like something is funny. So when a white woman walks in, you change your policy of show us income before you get served. So Chipotle going to sit here and tell me I can't eat because they think I look like someone that stole them from before. And again, the employees ask him to calm down and they get louder and louder. So this goes viral. And the initial response by Chipotle is they come in and they fire the manager. All right, this is terrible. This is not what we are all about. This is terrible. It was racist. We apologize for the way these people were, were treated. All right, so they fire the manager. Well, then you have, as Paul Harvey would have said, the rest of the story. 
As it turns out, and as they start doing a little bit of research, they find out that this same guy who has filed, who's put this thing up, you know, alleging racism, et cetera, et cetera, has over the last two or three years posted a whole series of other videos and postings where he talks about being part of dining and dashing. You know, again, one after another, where he's bragging about how, you know, this is what he and his buddies do and ways that you can get away with it. Like if they try to block you as you're rushing out, just run by them, et cetera, et cetera. So the, the Twitter account is full of, uh, again, separate postings over the course of the last couple years where where the guy is talking about how they go in and dine and dash, including how they go in and dine and dash at Chipotle's. So now, after having previously fired the manager in the knee-jerk reaction, now Chipotle is saying, well, um, all right, because of some new information that has come to light, we're in the process of we are reconsidering whether we ended up doing the right thing. What they said is, our actions are based on the facts known to us immediately after the incident, including video posted, video footage, social media posts, and conversations with the customer manager and our employees. We now have additional information which needs to be investigated further. We want to do the right thing. So after further investigation, we will retrain and rehire if the facts warrant it. All right, let's open up the phone lines. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's my take on this. Shame on Chipotle for the knee-jerk reaction to fire the manager without, in this case, knowing apparently all the facts. Now, they said, well, we were aware of some of this stuff and maybe some of the videos. But, I mean, seriously, what is a manager supposed to do? You have a situation where there is somebody that you believe was in that restaurant a couple days ago that split on you without paying the bill. So the manager says, you're going to have to pay up front. And suddenly this turns into a racial incident because apparently they've got a bunch of professional deadbeats who have been doing this in the past. But you fire the manager before that gets investigated. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think, number one, the manager should be rehired if it turns out that these are authentic posts that this guy put. Number two... I don't think the manager should have been fired in the first place. And to me, this demonstrates the problems that, I don't know, some people now have, some managers in these restaurants have, when you have certain people who are apparently intent on weaponizing their race for the purpose of, I don't know, allowing them to perpetuate scams. And I'm not suggesting that's the majority of the instance. I'm not even suggesting it's even a small minority of the instances. But in this particular case, what is the manager supposed to do? How should the manager have handled this when you are confronted with a situation where you believe that the same group of people who came in, ordered food a couple nights earlier, and booked without paying for it is now back? Did the manager handle this incorrectly in the first place? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Once again, we live stream the first couple segments of every show, so you can go to facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ and you can watch it. But, all right, did the Chipotle manager do anything wrong in telling the group they weren't going to get food unless they paid for it up front? 
414-799-1620. And by all accounts, this wasn't based on the fact that it was a couple young African-American guys. It's based on the fact that these kids were there, these guys were there a couple days ago and they booked without paying. Did the manager make a mistake? 414-799-1620. Did Chipotle make a mistake in firing the manager? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1216. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so last Thursday, you have a group of young African-American men. They go into this Chipotle restaurant. They they, they order. Um, the waitress says, you, you got to pay up front. The manager comes out and says, you have to pay up front. You guys were here two days ago. You, you skipped out without paying. They then videotape this. They get loud. They get obnoxious. Start swearing, refusing to leave. They post this thing up saying, this is this huge racial issue. We got tossed out by the female white manager. Oh, this is terrible, et cetera, et cetera. Chipotle's initial reaction is, okay, we're going to fire the manager. So they announced the manager's fired. We apologize. Well, as it turns out, this the guy that posted this has apparently been posting things for the last couple years, bragging about he how he and his buddies are big into the whole dine and dash thing and <clears throat> giving advice to people. Hey, if they try to block you, run through, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it turns out that these guys are nothing but scammers. So now Chipotle is saying, well, we're taking another look at this, and if there's more facts, maybe we'll consider rehiring the manager. Consider rehiring the manager. I mean, for any of you who have worked in the restaurant industry, how how do you handle something like this? If you have somebody, regardless of their race, that, that's in there that you believe has dined and dashed before, is it unreasonable to say, hey, you, you got to pay before we're making your food? Dan on the south side. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. i got a couple of things for you. One, if these guys have been doing it for quite some time, why aren't they arrested? Yeah, I mean, fair fair enough, because I, I guess nobody reports them or whatever, or it's too small potatoes for the police. But, yeah, you, you would think that this is a big deal for restaurants if these guys are ripping them off. And the other thing is, if this woman is didn't do nothing wrong, can't she sue Chalipo for being fired for no reason? Well, I think, you know, I mean, thanks for calling. The, the answer is, yeah, I mean, I think she's perhaps got a, a, if the justification is, gee, we think you were behaving in a racist fashion by denying these people service until they paid up front or treating them differently than other folks. And the, the argument was you were fired because we, we think you were behaving in a racist fashion, but now it turns out that, you know, what she was doing was perfectly right. Yeah, I, I think she she arguably has a wrongful discharge claim. But again, the, the bigger point about this to me is, is that this knee-jerk reaction that we now have. And again, I, I understand. You have situations like happened several months ago at Starbucks where clearly you had these two men that were treated differently because of their race than other people had been treated. And and I, I get it. People were upset with all that. But in this particular situation, you, you now have the flip side. And you have the fact that one of these guys who apparently has been posting all sorts of things bragging for years about this is how he goes and gets free food at restaurants. So now he does it again. And rather than investigating the matter, the knee jerk reaction is, Hey, we're, we're going to, we're going to have fired. We're going to fire the manager for this. And, and what are managers supposed to do? Now I, I have, 
I have some people who are saying, well, the manager shouldn't have intervened in this. All the manager should have done is, you know, called the police and gotten them involved. Well, I don't buy that. I mean, I, I don't buy that. If you're the manager of a restaurant and you know somebody has been in there before and caused trouble or skipped out on the bill or whatever, I mean, don't you have the right to say, all right, you know, we're, if you, you were here Tuesday, you ran out without paying your bill. I'm sorry, you're not going to get more food uh, until you pay up front. And if people want to see racism in it, okay, well, that's their problem, it seems to me. Jerry in Bayview. Jerry, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. I manage uh, restaurants like for over 30 years, nine restaurants at one time, but I would hire this woman in a heartbeat because really, truly, she was looking out for the interests of the business, and they had done this before. Right. So being her, I would never go back. But really, truly, this is going to answer her resume because she's really looking out for the, you know, the business and doing the right thing. And, and here, I think they just jumped on this too quick. Well, you know? well I, I think and, I, they, they got right. I think you're exactly right. What happened is, you know, everybody's so sensitive about these issues nowadays because you have had some high profile situations where businesses have handled it wrong that you have, at least in, in this case, you have at least one guy who's figured out how to exploit this situation. So he's in a no lose situation. He either gets the food that he runs out on and gets it for free or we have this huge cause celeb here. We're going to get the woman fired and accused of being a racist when all she's doing is trying to protect the interest of the business. Because I mean, I don't know how it works, Jerry. If they make the food run out without paying, I mean, somebody at that restaurant is on the hook for this, right? Many operators will charge the servers for uh, not coming up with the money that's for the for the, uh, the you know ticket that they rang up. And you know, first of all, that's not right, but it does happen. Right. So for, for this to have happened before. Really and truly, uh, she did the right thing, and unfortunately, um, she, she's paying for for what somebody else's selfishness. Yeah, no, thank exactly. And for for this climate that's out there, where the knee jerk reaction is, oh, you behaved in in a racist fashion when what she was doing was trying to. I mean, this is a it's a race neutral sort of thing. You were the guys that were here the other night. You skipped out on your bill. Here, I'm not just going to turn around and give you more food unless, you know, you pay up front. Oh, you're singling us out because of this or that or the other thing. No, they're singling them out because they she believed they did the same thing a couple days ago. And if you look at the one guy's Twitter feed and Facebook posts, he's been bragging about doing the same thing for years. Chipotle should apologize. They should hire the person back and they should, again, resist the knee jerk knee-jerk urge to react every time somebody posts something on social media. 1225, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. A number of our listeners waiting in from Minneapolis area, uh, where, of course, is the story about the Chipotle restaurants getting a lot of attention. And, uh, you again, you look at the, the tweets and the Facebook pages of the guy who claims he was the victim of racism, and um, you do get the impression that rather than an, an innocent victim, he's more like a a serial thief who understands how to scam the system, and that's what he was doing in this particular case as well. Um, 
let me just mention something I'm going to be doing next week. It's a it's a charity event. Uh, my wife and I do this. This is the second year that I've been involved in it. it. It's the Taste of Washington County. The proceeds go to the Boys and Girls Clubs of Washington County. It is a week from Wednesday. It's Wednesday, November 28th. It's the Washington County Fairgrounds. All these area restaurants from West Bend get together and they, they serve food. They've got all sorts of silent auction items. It's a great event. I will be there for the second year in a row. I'm going to be serving ribs. So if, if you come up to my booth, I'm going to be giving you ribs and stuff. Um, it's a wonderful event, 6 to 10 o'clock, Wednesday, November 28th, Taste of Washington County for the Boys and Girls Club Clubs of Washington County. Check it out. I'm there. It's not often that I serve food, but I promise I'll do a good job at this. All right. Oh, now you better watch out. Scott Walker has offended the guy, Neil Albrecht, the guy from the Milwaukee Election Commission. If you were watching the election results on, what, uh, two weeks ago tomorrow, it, it was a really, really close election until about 1030 or 11 o'clock at night. It was revealed that the city of Milwaukee was like sitting on 40 plus thousand ballots that they hadn't reported. And everybody goes, what? And then ultimately they get around to running them through the machines and they report them and then it changes the, the results. It's not as close. I mean, 10 or 20,000 votes is close, but it, it completely swings the whole thing. The city of Milwaukee, essentially the only constituency in the entire state that wasn't able to get its ballots counted in a timely fashion. Because apparently what they did is they sat on all the, all the, the early votes and the absentee ballots, and unlike every other jurisdiction that apparently ran them through during the day um, or immediately after the polls closed, Milwaukee couldn't get its act together, and they didn't do it for a few hours, raising all sorts of questions about, hey, what, what's going on here? Well, okay, there wasn't fraud involved, but Governor Walker said, now we, we looked at whether we were going to file, we were going to challenge it, but it wasn't fraud, it was just kind of incompetence. Well, Neil Albrecht, the incompetent executive director of the Milwaukee Election Commission, he's upset at being called incompetent. Oh, this is the Republicans' problem because they don't let us count these things early, etc. Well, my question to the Election Commission in Milwaukee County would, in Milwaukee would be, look, City of Milwaukee, why can't you do something that every other jurisdiction in the state is able to do in a timely fashion? The fact that you couldn't deliver those results within, you know, half hour, hour or whatever tells me that there is something, in fact, going on. And, and yes, it is a competency question. It's not a fraud question. But maybe since this is the second time this has happened, maybe you should figure something out to get your act together rather than be offended Figure out a way to develop better procedures so, again, people can get the results in a relatively timely fashion. Just saying. It's 1236. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Broadway's biggest light in Wicked and NBC's Smash. Megan Hilty joins the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra for the biggest Broadway showstoppers to poignant, beautiful ballads. We are giving you a chance to see an evening with Megan Hilty and the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. Keep listening all week to my show for your chance to win. We're going to be giving away a pair of tickets during the 1 o'clock hour today. So sometime during the 1 o'clock hour, we'll give you a chance to win a pair of tickets to see Megan Hilty, who is an incredible talent, and uh, the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. So stick around for that. All right. It's interesting what gets people's attention and what gets the attention of the Common Council in West Dallas. You might remember that last summer, the, the Common Council cracked down on what they would describe as unruly lawns. Apparently they have an ordinance out there that says that you can't allow your grass 
to get longer, more than six inches high. If it does, and if somebody complains, what happens is you get a notice, and then you have three days to cut it. And if you don't cut it in that time, they come out and they charge you somewhere between $300 to um, $350 to cut your grass for you. Now, that is interesting to me because, I mean, some people... Some people would say, well, you know, this long grass is unruly and it hurts property values. Other people would say, well, okay, it's your house, and if you want to let it grow, grass grow long, should the city really be telling you that they can't do it? And other people might say, huh, this is interesting, because if you drive through some of the public spaces in West Dallas during the summer, I guarantee you that you will see grass that is longer than six inches tall, which, of course, raises this whole question that the city will do it and charge you, but they don't take care of their own place. All right. But let's put that aside. Well, now, now West Dallas is considering going after, going after people who allow folks to park on their property if they have outstanding orders to improve their property. Here, here's the way the Journal Sentinel reports it. West Dallas homeowners who like to make money parking cars on their lawns and driveways while visitors attend the Wisconsin State Fair might be well advised to have a plan B next year. That's because West Dallas, the same people who, you know, if your grass is longer than six inches tall, they're going to charge you 300 bucks to go cut it. That's because West Dallas has devised a plan to get property owners to get going on orders from the city to fix up their property. They won't be allowed to park cars at state fair time if they have a city fix-up order hanging over their heads. The measure is expected to win Common Council approval tomorrow night. So while some property owners call a contractor or get moving right away when they get a fix-up order, hey, you're, you know, there's a problem with your roof or you're, there's a problem with your gutter or your paint is peeling or whatever, um, some people just kind of blow it off when they get these notices about peeling paint, broken doors, or battered downspouts. Some delay. One of the aldermen says some drag it out for months or even years. The city building inspection and neighborhood services department spends hours trying to work with these situations that sometimes get even more costly by having to be taken to municipal court. And that involves the city attorney. So what they are saying we're going to do is we we don't want to have these municipal court things and stuff. If we give you a notice that you have to fix your downspout or that your paint is peeling or whatever, and you don't do it, well, we're not going to allow you to park cars and generate revenue around State Fair Park. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this in just a couple minutes, but this is one of these things I am genuinely curious as to how you react to this. Lots of homeowners make money, sometimes a lot of money, by opening their their homes up, their lawns up, their driveways up, and they park cars during the state fair. So that, that's a source of income. You drive around the state fair and you'll see people with the flags waving and they'll, they'll, they'll park the cars. They make money from that. The city of West Dallas is considering saying if you have an outstanding work order, your 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 paint is, is peeling or your gutter is damaged or there's an issue with your roof or whatever, you will not be allowed to park cars and generate revenue until you fix it. Is this going too far? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, you know, if, if I've, my, my paint is peeling or whatever, 
and I've got this order from the city, but we haven't been to municipal court on it. Should the city be able to tell me that I can't park cars at state around State Fair? 414-799-1620. Is West Dallas going too far? West Dallas would say, hey, our idea is, you know, we, we want West Dallas to be beautiful, and, and we want, this is a way we have of forcing people who might not otherwise be complying in a timely fashion. This is a way we have of forcing them to do it, and it saves us the trouble of having to go to the municipal attorney and having to go to municipal court and get an order. We'll just say no money, no parking unless you do it. Does this sound right to you? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1241. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's see. The NFC playoff picture remains a mess. Where do the Packers stand after the dust settles from Week 11? Matt Pauley's in for Greg Matzik. He dives into the weekend of NFL games. That is tonight, 6.07 on Sports Central. Be sure to tune that in. All right, if you're just tuning in, um, West Dallas, which, of course, you know has the Wisconsin State Fair, they are considering passing an, ordin- an ordinance tomorrow, which would say any of those properties around State Fair where the, where the people park cars during the State Fair – they wouldn't be allowed to park cars if they had an outstanding work order. Like if they say, okay, your, you know, your gutter's been damaged, you need to replace it, and people haven't, they wouldn't be allowed to park cars. If they were told, hey, your paint is peeling, you need to fix it, they wouldn't be allowed to park cars. The idea is we're having trouble getting people to comply. We don't want to have to have the municipal attorney get involved, so let's short-circuit all that and let's just pass this ordinance. What do you think? 414-799-1620. Tom in Greenfield. Tom, your neck of the woods. Good afternoon. Yes. Uh, uh, there's a lot of different things that go on in West Dallas. One of them is if you, um, your snow, they don't have nepotism uh, to help uh, people to try to buy your sidewalks or stuff like that. They will find you. you yeah. And if you don't, if your grass, if you if you let your grass get more than six inches long, they'll, they'll come out and cut it and charge oh, you 300 bucks. The biggest thing that they do every year and they've been doing it for 30 years, and you even brag about it on your show every year for the last bunch of years, is Candy Cane Lane, the destruction of the neighborhood. Highway 100 coming to a, a, a residential area for 30 days from 5 to 10, and uh, people peering in your windows with, with vans and trucks and buses and everything else and being crime to West Dallas. But Dan Devine doesn't do nothing about that because... Oh, don't, oh, Tom! Don't tell me you're don't tell me you're going to dump on Candy Cane Lane. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. They make a circus out of the area. Maybe that Dandy Vine should go. Uh, maybe he belongs in the circus. Well, there. no, no, no. See, I, look, I, I'm. I don't get too far afield. Okay, Candy Cane Lane is a wonderful community event. I, I get that. The State Fair is a wonderful community event. Here, here's my off the top reaction to this. This strikes me as as perhaps. If somebody sues on this, I, I'm not sure what grounds West Dallas is going to have to defend themselves. It, it, at first blush, it kind of strikes me as being screamingly illegal, but but that's just my, my first interpretation. If they're trying to, gee, say to people, in order to stop you from um, exercising your rights and having a municipal attorney have to go and get a court order, we're going to try to you know use financial pressure. That's number one. Number two, I mean, I, I understand that there is this desire that everybody wants houses to look neat and things like that. I, I, I get it. But I think saying to someone, all right, we're not going to allow you to make money. You know, we're not going to allow you to park cars on your property because, gee, you've got peeling paint or, or gee, because that downspout is dented 
or because you've got a couple shingles off the roof. So we're not going to let you, uh, again, park cars. I think it's a complete and total disconnect. I, I do. I understand what they're trying to do is we want everything to be nice in West Dallas. We want everything to be pleasant. We want there not to be any peeling paint anywhere, and we want all the gutters and downspouts to be perfect. I, I understand all that sort of stuff. But but the idea that you're then going to try to hit the homeowners in the pocketbook like this and say that we're, we're not going to allow you to park, I think that's a bridge too far. Now, my guess is what's going to happen is they're going to you know pass this ordinance, and somebody who probably has one of these outstanding warrants will continue to allow people to park, and then they're going to get this nasty sort of fine, and then it's going to go to court, and somebody's going to decide whether you know West Dallas has the authority to do it. I don't know. You would think at West Dallas, though, that maybe there's bigger issues out there. Like last time I checked, they still had a rat problem. You know, maybe it's, it's stuff like dealing with that as opposed to worrying about somebody trying to make a few bucks by parking cars on their front lawn when they might have a little bit of peeling paint. Just saying. 1248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1251, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The campaign ads may be gone from your television, but politicians are already looking ahead to the 2020 presidential race and the role that Wisconsin will play. Are we red? Are we blue? Are we purple? Gene Miller takes a look at 721 tomorrow. Tune in to Wisconsin's Morning News. The... um, the 2020 election appears for all, the 2018 election appears for all intents and purposes, with one exception to, to be over, over the weekend. Florida, which of course has been just a cluster bumble, you know, actually going back for the last 20 years, essentially. But there was a hand recount in the, the Senate race, uh, that, that ultimately out of 8 million votes cast was decided by about 10,000 votes, but, but ultimately, Bill Nelson, who was the Democrat incumbent senator, was defeated by Florida Governor Rick Scott. So Scott picks up that seat. Right now, Republicans have 52 seats in the U.S. Senate. There's going to be one more that's decided. I think the election is next week. It's a runoff in Mississippi. The it, it might be close, but I think all pretty much everybody believes that the Republican is going to win maybe not win by as much of a margin as she should, but Mississippi is a very, very red state. Assuming that that all goes according to Hoyle, what's going to happen is you'll have Republicans with 53 seats in the U.S. Senate, Democrats or people who caucus with the Democrats will have 47. So the big deal with that is it gives it gives Republicans in the Senate a little bit more of a working margin should, should there be another opening on the Supreme Court that President Trump will fill or should uh, they're, they're, again, for federal judges or things like that? Because when you only had 51 seats in the U.S. Senate, you, you had to worry you lose you lose more than one Republican, and you're, you're just out of luck. So this was a big race in that point. Also, the other interesting thing from the flip side of the aisle is that it seems like every every race over the last 10 days that was close, where they were waiting to call, every single one of them in the House has gone for Democrats. Orange County, California, which was the height of Reagan country, every every congressional seat in Orange County is now flipped to the Democrats, which does, it says something. I don't know exactly what, but it, it does say something, and it says something that I think people have to, Republicans have to figure out, you know, over the next two years, what what's going on here, unless you want to look for even more of an electoral wipeout uh, in the House of Representatives, particularly in the next two years. I want to I want to tell you about something that happened last week in, in Middleton, 
that is a, a follow-up to something, a similar thing that happened in Milwaukee County last week as well. It's this, this rise in the incidence of something called swatting. What happens is you have people, if you haven't heard of this before, who end up making prank calls. But, but this isn't, hey, I'm calling up and I'm sending a pizza over to somebody's house. This is a call along the lines of, I've just killed my girlfriend. I'm holding um, our children hostage. I might kill myself. I might kill them. I mean, something extremely dramatic. And you call 911. And obviously what happens is when the 911 operator gets that call, all right, you, you go into you know full-blown, we've got a major situation here. And again, the, the details vary a little, but it's generally something like that. I've got a gun. I'm holding people hostage. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill them. The idea and the reason they call it swatting is because the idea behind this quote-unquote prank is you want to get the SWAT team out. That That's the idea. This will be fun if we can get the SWAT team to respond to the person's house. Now, this got a lot of attention last year because what happened about a year ago was in Wichita, Kansas. You had the, these these guys that were gamers, played stuff against each other online, and a guy in California decided that, that he was going to SWAT this guy in Wichita that he got mad at or whatever. So he, he put in this call saying, again, it was a hostage situation, somebody was dead, et cetera, et cetera. The Wichita police respond, and the, the guy, the gamer, you know, he, he hears all this commotion outside his, his residence. He goes outside on the porch. He does something. He doesn't realize that all of a sudden you've got, you know, God in the world all armed with high-powered rifles outside. He's kind of surprised. He does something. They end up shooting him and killing him. Well, what happened is last week the, the guy in Los Angeles was, in fact, convicted of, you know, convicted of, you know, party to a crime of murder. So anyhow, this is a big deal. This isn't just kind of this harmless prank. Well, what happened in Middleton Saturday night at an apartment complex is the same sort of thing. The 911 call center gets a call about 845 Saturday night from a person who tells the dispatcher that he's being held hostage in the basement of an apartment by a suspect armed with a gun, and the person hangs up. Well, okay, 911 gets this call. I'm being held hostage. I'm in the basement. This is where I am. The guy's got a gun. Well, understandably, you're going to, that's an all points thing. You're going to pull everybody off the street. So what happened is, in response to this, police officers, Dane County Sheriff's deputies, lots and lots of officers, 12 police officers and deputies, you know, they respond, as you might expect under a certain situation. So then they, they, they go in, they're doing a systematic check of the property, including the basements. They find no indication of a problem. They scared the you-know-what out of a whole bunch of residents because all of a sudden it's 9 o'clock at night. You've got, you know, cops in riot gear, you know, with long rifles going through the apartments. They're, everybody's freaked out. What the officers did see, didn't see any problem, but they did see two boys, ages 12 and 13, who had had previous contact with law enforcement they saw them in the area. So after it became apparent that this was not a hostage situation, the police go out and they talk to these two kids, 12 and 13, both admitted to be involved in placing the hostage call. And one boy said, oh, I just did it as a prank. I was just kidding around. I did it as a prank. And now that they say charges are expected to be brought against the one that, that primarily made the call. 
Now, I don't know what sort of charges that you're going to end up being able to bring against a 13-year-old, and my guess is any of the charges that you bring, and he goes into juvenile court, it's not going to be enough to, I don't know, cover just the seriousness of what they did. And as far as trying to collect money for the thousands of dollars that were undoubtedly spent on this, well, you know, good luck with that. I mean, his parents aren't going to be able to be held responsible probably. But this is another example of how, I guess in 2018, this is what we think is clever. Let's call the police and see if we can get, well, everybody to drop everything and come out and respond. But, of course, what we know is sometimes when that happens, very, very bad things end up occurring. Swatting. It's the new thing in 2018, and it's coming to Wisconsin, and that's not a good statement. 1259, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, you're on the airplane, and all of a sudden, the middle seat is neck is open, and all of a sudden, that really, really big guy comes rumbling towards you. What do you do? Stick around. It's 108. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, you ever fly Southwest Airlines? Oh, yeah. Love okay. it. Okay. I, I you know, do you have... When you're, when you're flying, is there a, a particular seat like aisle or middle or window that you like? I prefer the aisle if I can get it. Okay, well, I mean, I, I do too. I, I'm I'm six one, like two hundred twenty pounds. I mean, I'm you know, and I I, I like to be able to have a little bit of extra mm-hmm. leg room. Sure. Um, so I, I actually I, I'm one of those that I, I pay the extra fifteen bucks or whatever for the early bird thing mm-hmm. lets me get on there. All right. Okay, so you're on the plane. It's a full plane. You've gotten on early. You've gotten your aisle seat. And then you're watching everybody come onto the plane afterwards, right? You with oh, yeah. me on this? I've, I've okay. All right. Is there something that's running through? Let, let's say <laughs> what happens typically is like you're in the aisle. Somebody else is typically like in the window. And those middle seats go last. Oh, as yeah. a general oh, yeah. rule, they, they go last. There are there are exceptions, but but they generally go last. So there's somebody in the aisle. There's somebody in the window. You're in the aisle. And now you're getting the people from like the, the group C that are mm-hmm, coming in. Mm-hmm. As you are watching people getting on the plane, is there something going through your mind? Be honest. Uh, whether or not I want them to sit next to me, I don't want any of them to sit next well, to okay, me. Well, okay, but you know, so you know hoping, it's going to be a full flight. You, no, you know okay. it's going to be a full flight. Is there something going through your mind? <laughs> Someone who will at least still give me some space. Right. Okay, you're being nice. What you're hoping is, <laughs> I don't want it to be a fat guy, right? I mean, sure. let's just be honest. Sure, That's yeah. what you're saying. Okay, I don't, you know, I, I just, God, you know, please, let, let it be somebody who's going to fit into the middle yes, seat, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. See, I, 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 no, I, I'm, I'm the same way. That, that, that's it. And, and everybody is. It's like, oh, for goodness sakes, I, I and then you know, sometimes I'll be saying, I don't want a lady with a small child. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the other thing. You know, I, I don't want a lady with a small child, and I, I don't want some really, really large person. Not that I have any, and I don't, I have nothing against really, really large people, but cramming into that middle seat means that everybody is going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. All right, sure, okay. we've established. All right, okay. maybe that makes me a terrible person, but I'm taking you down the road with me. With this. <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. which leads, you're welcome, which leads me <laughs> to the, the topic that I want to discuss with you. Now, here here's the deal. The guy, This is a guy, he has now filed a lawsuit against British Airways, right? Here, here's what happens. He's on a 13-hour flight from... Bangkok to London. It's a 13-hour flight. He's he's got the window seat, right? He's got the window seat. The guy that rolls in, they put he's he's described as six foot four, three hundred and twenty pounds. <laughs> six four, three hundred and twenty, and they put him in the middle seat. 
So here you have this guy who, who's got the window seat, and he, he immediately realizes this isn't going to work because the guy they have put in the middle seat is too big for the middle seat, and he, he's kind of spilling over. So now this guy who's filing a lawsuit, he, he's, he's up against the window, and he says that, that what has to happen is he's now he's pinned against the side of of the cabin. He he has no choice. He's kind of like he's got to sort of turned to his side and he's squished up against the, the side of the cabin, up against the window. On did I say it was a thirteen hour flight? So once he sees that this is is not going well, he, he goes up to the flight attendant and he says, Look, th- this man does not fit in this seat. And look at what at him not fitting in that seat means that I don't get my seat effectively. I, I'm now sideways squished up against the side of the cabin. And he says, you, you, have to, you have to do something. You have to either move him or move me, but, but this, this can't work. And according to the lawsuit, the, the folks at, at British Airways say, no, it's not our problem. Sorry, you, we, we can't move you anywhere. And he says, well, let me tell you what. Why don't you let me, let me sit here in one of the crew member seats? I mean, that, that's, I, I'm just, you know, let me sit in the crew member seats. And they say, no, we can't do that because you'd have to keep getting up to allow us to get in the galley. No, you, you're going to have to go back to your seat. And there, there's nothing, you know, you, you can do. Make, make a formal complaint if you want, but that's it. So he says, all right, they told me that that, that was it. I just, if I wanted to be on that plane, I had to kind of literally suck it up and suck it in and, and just be crammed like this. Now, he says that as a result of this, he said it, it soon kind of turned to, to agony because this is a 13-hour flight, and I'm sort of sitting, I'm now sideways almost because it's the only way that I can get room. And he says, now, again, we're going to take this, I, I, with a, I mean, this is what he says. He says that as a result of being crammed in this seat, in this position, for 13 hours, he says he has suffered nerve damage to his back and his pelvis has been knocked out of alignment for, for sitting in this position for 13 hours, all because British Airlines put a guy who, uh, again, didn't fit in the seat. 6'4", 320 pounds. There's no way this guy fits in this middle seat. So he files a complaint afterwards. British Airways says, oh, nothing to see here. Um, we, they deny the claim. And so now he's, he's filed a lawsuit against the airplane, uh, the airlines for, you know, not, not doing something to accommodate him. And again, their line was, well, there's nothing we can do. It's not our problem. It's a full flight. There was nowhere to move you to. This is your problem. Too bad. So sad. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, many of us have probably been in a situation like this, especially given given the size of airplane seats nowadays. You know, they've made many of them smaller in the economy class and things like that. But under no circumstances, when you hear a guy 6'4", 320 pounds, regardless of how big the seat is, he's probably not going to fit in a middle seat regardless of what the design of the plane is. But in this particular situation, by putting him in that seat, the guy in the window says, hey, this 
I, I was injured as a result of this. So let's tee this up. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you think, and let's assume for the sake of argument, that by you know having to contort your body, like he says he had to contort his body, and I can just imagine this, for a 13-hour flight, let's assume that it did kind of screw up his back and it did kind of screw up his pelvis. Let's assume for the sake of argument that he, he is legitimately able to trace an injury to this. Is it the airline's fault? How should the airline have handled a situation like this where you have a passenger who, because of his or her size, they clearly don't fit into that seat without inconveniencing or making uncomfortable the other people that are in that aisle? Does the airline bear some responsibility for this, or is it, hey, you know, too bad, so sad, this is just the kind of stuff that ha- that happens? 414-799-1620, I will tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss in just a moment. But, all right, is this guy just looking for, okay, uh, is this a sue-happy guy, or does he have a legitimate beef? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 116, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 118, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, it's a lawsuit a guy filed. He's on a 13-hour flight, British Airways, Bangkok to London, 13 hours. He's he's in the the um, the window seat. Guy comes in, sits in the middle seat next to him, 6'4", 320 pounds. So he doesn't fit in the middle seat. He, he just he just flat doesn't fit in the middle seat. So the guy um, who, again, is in the window... The only way he can sit there is he's now turned on his side with his face kind of crammed up against the, the, the side of the cabin. He asks to be moved. They say it's a full flight. We can't put you anywhere. We can't move the other guy. You have to essentially suck it up. 13-hour flight. He says hurt his back, nerve damage, hurt his pelvis. Let us assume for the sake of argument that this is it's legitimate, that from being in this contorted position on a 13-hour flight from hell, this is exactly what happened. All right, does British Airways bear some responsibility? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? I think, yeah, I think they have a, I think he has a perfectly good case. I mean, that actually happened to me. It was, like I was telling uh, your screener, uh-huh. it's, I, I could, I had a uh, flight going out to L.A. for a meeting, and I'm dressed in a suit, you know, cut, caught an early flight in the morning. To the left of me, I was in the center seat. Right. To the, to the left of me was a dude that was, like, huge. He couldn't even get his lap tray down. He had to get a, a belt extender. That was number one. Number two, on the other side of me, was a lady who was huge. Large, and they weren't, yeah, and they weren't, they weren't related or anything like that. And I had to sit sideways, and I just got the sympathy look out of, a, out of the, out of the, uh, right. the tourists. It's kind of like, I mean, there's nothing we can do. Right. You know, and, I mean, I literally had a hard time standing up when I got done. Yeah, and, and you can, and you can imagine. I mean, I, and so I mean, when I hear this guy complain, he's fifty-one years old. He says, "Okay, it's a thirteen-hour flight, mushed against the side of the cabin." I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't automatic. I can, I can understand how his back might be a bit screwed up from that. Well, I, the thing is, is I, I mean, I thought airlines. I thought there was um, passenger rights now, where if somebody is oversized, they're supposed to buy two seats. Well, that I um, thought that was. I thought there was a. I thought that you know they. Yes, I well, thanks for calling. I mean, maybe it varies. I don't know that it's an obligation. It probably varies from airline to airline. But in a situation like this, I, I mean, I do, do. I hope that he's got a cause of action against British Airways because I think they handled this in completely wrong way. 
when you have somebody that gets on the plane that clearly cannot fit in one seat, right? That's not the problem of the guy who has the, the, the aisle seat, or in this case, it was the window seat that made it worse. That's the problem of the guy who doesn't fit, who should be required, in my opinion, to buy two seats. Now, if there were open seats, well, the thing that you would do is you would move the big guy to, you know, one of the open, you know, if there were like two open seats or whatever, if it wasn't a full flight, not that there, you've good luck finding not full flights, but you, you can't make somebody who has purchased the ticket, I think, sit for, two hours or three hours, much less 13 hours, because you have somebody who doesn't fit in the seat there. You've got to deal with the person who doesn't fit in that seat. And your failure to do that, I think if other people get hurt, yeah, I, I think I, I think that you should have a cause of action. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, and I understand big people fly. That That's, that's not the issue. But I, I think it should be clear, if you don't fit in a seat, you should have to buy two seats, four one four seven nine nine, or you know, risk the chance that hey, if you're not going to be able to fit in that one seat and there's nowhere that they can move you, maybe that means that you're going to have to be asked to leave the flight. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to um, let's see, Sheila in Milwaukee. Sheila, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Um, my thoughts on it, I was a flight attendant um, for Midwest Express for several years. Mm-hmm. And I miss Midwest did, Express. Every- <laughs> I do, too. Okay. I do, too. I got out right before they voted in the union, but that's a whole other story. Um, my thoughts are that there, if it was a full flight, they absolutely would have had um, someone else of smaller stature, and they could have rearranged the seats. People are willing to move, and all it takes is a free voucher for something small. It doesn't take much to get people to um, right. typically to move. So I think it was terrible, terrible on their on their behalf that they didn't do something for him. Right, right. And so, and and so I mean, you you think the guy's got a legitimate beef, saying, "Hey, look, I, I'm I'm Absolutely. sitting next to somebody who doesn't who just doesn't fit in the seat for for whatever reason doesn't fit in the seat. How you can't expect me to just sit for 13 hours crammed up against Absolutely. the side of the plane? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's absolutely disgusting and it's. They should have done something before it ever got to a lawsuit. Yeah, no, so, thank, right. Th- thanks for calling. No, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, and, and actually, it sounds like the, the guy he he was trying to work it out up front. He said, "Look, all right, let me let me sit in the crew seats. Let me sit in one of these jump seats. I'll be willing to do that." And they said, "No, you can't do that because you'd have to get up and down." When we ended up getting to the galley, so their answer was, "You know, go back and sit in the seat." But it, it's not that man's problem. It, it's not his problem. The problem is the airline has let some other guy who doesn't fit into the space that he has reserved sit down. And I, that's that's where I think you have to deal with it. And I like what you're saying, Sheila, that maybe you can try to rearrange if you can find, I, I don't know, some smaller person or whatever. I, I, I don't know the, the logistics of it, but I think the guy's got a beef. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Russ in Waukesha. Hi, Russ. You're on WTMJ. Hi, how you doing? Good. What do you think? I am the guy that really takes offense at uh, you suggesting we have to buy two seats. I'm 6'8", 310 pounds, and I'm not fat. I'm not as spelt as I used to be. <laughs> I, I'm 6'1", 220. I'm not as thin as I used to be either, so I get that, sure. I fit in the seat very uncomfortably every time I fly. You fly on those little planes for American Airlines from Milwaukee down to uh, Chicago. Yeah. You know, the, the one and three seats or two seats, you know, you, your body's got a, a curve with the fuselage. Right. I mean, it's, we're not freaks. 
you know, uh, you're talking like we're a piece of meat. Well, I'm not talking like you're a freak, but if, let, let, let's take this example. The guy's 320 pounds. He doesn't, and, and it's not just height. He's way too wide. He doesn't fit in one seat. So what, what are you, what, what happens? The people around him, the guy next door to him has to get like crammed in there? And, I mean, what's the answer? Well, the answer is there should be seats that fit normal people. Yeah. I don't know about your body size, but on those uh, little uh, planes I was telling you about, and it's a, a standard plane for Americans, you know, uh, uh, from the back of my backside to the front of my knee yeah. <laughs> is, is greater distance than the seat allows. There's substandard seats. Yeah, well, don't... The I mean, should, should make something that, that fits. Today's people. Well, don't, I mean, not all small like the Middle Ages. No, what Russ, and don't don't get me wrong. I say, I, I'm, I get it. That's why I mean, I always ask for an aisle seat. I'm my I fit in the seats, so I mean, I admit I don't have that problem. I'm not suggesting that people are freaks. I, that, that's not the implication. But I, I I stand by what I said. If if you don't fit in a seat on the airline, well, I, I think that. The airline, if they can accommodate you and they've got empty other empty seats and they want to give you a second seat, that's fine. But I think that there is there is something for the other passengers. So if you, I stand by. It. I think and a lot of airlines will, under those circumstances, make you purchase two tickets if you don't fit in one seat. And and you know, it's a whole other discussion about whether airline seats should be wider. I'm there. You know, I'm I'm there. I'm, I'll raise my hand, but and support that. As long as we're living in what I consider to be the real world, now I, I mean, yes, if you don't fit in a seat, I think that yeah, you should have to buy a second seat. And if the airlines can accommodate you and do it for free, okay, I'm all in favor of that. But to me, it's not fair what they did to the guy who fits in the one seat. He was the one who was, in this case, injured because they put somebody that doesn't fit in that other seat. So where, where will the lawsuit go? I, I don't know. It's always tough. But this is an issue that comes up all the time. And it's not saying that somebody who's 320 pounds and 6'4 is a freak. But at the same time, if they don't fit, all right, that's that's not the problem of the other passengers. 128 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We'll keep you posted as to how this lawsuit goes. Stick around. It's 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, um, we've given away the pair of tickets today to see Megan Hilty perform with the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra. No doubt that's going to be a wonderful show. It is a week from Wednesday, November 28th. We'll give you more chances to win later on this week, so please keep listening. Also, quick reminder, if you happen to live in Washington County, well, area other counties can come too, but um, also on the 28th, I'm going to be doing an event. It's one of my favorite charities, the Boys and Girls Club of Washington County. It's called the Taste of Washington County. I, it's a whole series of restaurants that get together. It's at the uh, Washington County Fairgrounds, and it, it's just a really great event. I, I did it last year. I will be doing it again this year, so you can catch me serving ribs. But all these restaurants come, and they offer all sorts of things, and there's great silent auctions and got a really good bottle of bourbon out there last year as well. So that is also Wednesday the 28th. If you, 28th, if you happen to be in the area, stop off and uh, say hi. I will be making a joint appearance with my wife, who is always the star of the show. All right. If you haven't been following it, the stock market today is in yet another freefall. The Dow down 465 points, which is about a 1.8% decrease. But but actually, the, the bigger and perhaps worse story, the NASDAQ is down 217 points. Um, and that's... 
that's an even larger percentage drop. So um, it's and, and that the Nasdaq is tech tech heavy. So I mean tech, which has been part of the generator of of a lot of earnings over the years. Tech, uh, like I say, the Nasdaq right now it's down three percent. So even though it's down 218 points, that's 3%, whereas the Dow is down 472 points, but that's only 1.86%. So the, the tech route is even worse. One of the things that is driving this decline is that, that Facebook, which for years and years and years has literally and figuratively been a license to print money, but Facebook is coming under all sorts of, of problems. First of all, you have Congress. And Facebook has managed to do something which I thought was almost impossible to do. They have honked off Republicans and Democrats. For for years and years and years, Silicon Valley has been, and the Facebooks of the world, they, they've been huge contributors to Democratic campaigns. I mean, it's it's pretty much all liberals that are out in Silicon Valley and all. But one of the things that's happening, so you've had conservatives that have been upset with them for a, a while because... Again, all the money's been flowing to liberal causes. Now you've got the liberals that are upset with them because, come to find out over the course of the last two years, they're still smarting over the the Russian manipulation, interference, posting all the phony ads on Facebook and things of the like, and the fact that apparently in response to some of these hearings that they recently had, Facebook went out and hired uh, essentially a conservative opposition research outfit who ended up doing opposition research on a lot of the Democrats who were going to be asking questions about this. So Facebook has managed to hack off Republicans and Democrats, and it's tough to do that in today's environment. You also have all these concerns that Facebook has been slow to respond to questions about transparency, where they're getting their money, manipulation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Plus, the other concern that that Facebook just isn't the new kid on the block anymore. You know, Facebook has been, you know, incredible and it's been sort of a game changer on social media, but now Facebook is kind of getting old and, and, and passe. And the problem, of course, is if Facebook isn't going to continue to grow, you know, their revenue is based on, you know, corporations or individuals or whoever, you know, buying ads on Facebook. Well, if, if the Facebook usage is declining or not growing like it used to be, or people are deciding to bail on Facebook for, I don't know, whatever the newest, latest thing is, well, long term, the question becomes, could this company actually you know, end up going under? Now, nobody is suggesting that's going to happen today or tomorrow, but Facebook has been reporting for the first time, and it's, it's really its history. Over the last couple of years, they've been reporting either flat or now starting to decline revenue, which has a lot of people saying, all right, maybe the luster is off this. Now, I don't know about you. I'm, we, we have a Facebook page that we really don't keep up. You know, it, it just, I, I have a Facebook page to work that really we, we don't post a lot of stuff. We, I do Twitter stuff, but I, I don't do Facebook a lot. I, I don't use Facebook. My wife uses Facebook um, with, with her friends. It's a way of, 
keeping up with you know you all all your various friends and it, the, oh look it's the the people are on a vacation they're out our, our friends are Tom and Meredith in Hawaii are in Hawaii again with the kids look at these cute photos or you know so and so is here so and so is there it's kind of an informational thing but but beyond that i don't know a lot of people who use i don't know that facebook has the the sort of the hip connotation that it used to have and i think more and more people are starting to gravitate towards you know some of these other platforms all right 414-799-1620 that is the acunet mortgage talk and text line my guess is you are on facebook how do you use facebook are you using it less than you used to are you switching to other social platforms is facebook going to be around 10 years from now or it will it be supplanted by other newer hipper things 414-799-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line also i mean i think there is a possibility and that's one of the things that congress is looking at that you know there might be there might be some government regulation some people are in congress are starting to look at facebook and the same way that they look at like a utility monopoly and they're saying things like Mark Zuckerberg he might be like one of the robber barons in the 1920s and 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 maybe maybe it's time to break up the monopoly i think facebook's got some tougher problems moving forward how do you use facebook 4147991620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line and what is the facebook of the future going to look like will facebook even be around 10 years from now Let's discuss. If you're on the line, please hold on. 414-799-1620. Back to discuss in just a minute. Gru is lining up the calls. 142, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Stock market is in kind of a free fall today. Part of it led by problems in the tech industry, which start with with Facebook, which is really the 450-pound gorilla in the room. Facebook, all right, the profits are not growing like they used to grow Facebook operators are taking a lot of heat for, I don't know, the the Russians and their ability to try to influence the 2016 elections, the fact that Facebook has been slow to respond to this, that the way they responded to it was hiring opposition research firms to perhaps give information that they could use against some of the senators or the congressmen that were investigating them. By the way, never a good move. And the fact that they're generally been very slow to respond to a number of concerns. Congress is looking at starting to regulate Facebook. I'm not a big Facebook user. My, my wife, again, uses it to keep track of, of, of friends and family members and things like that. But has the bloom gone off the Facebook rose? Are you a Facebook user and for what? 414-799-1620. Danny in West Dallas. Hi, Danny. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. Okay. You're a Facebook guy? Yes. Okay, what do you use it for? Um, I use it primarily for business. Um, I'm on there posting personal stuff here and there, but you know, I'm not one of those kids, one of those guys that you know, every time my kid poops, I post it. Right. Um, Look at what my I'm, dog did. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I'm I'm a musician, so I always post all my gigs on there and do the event pages and so on and so forth. And I get a lot of business off of there. Mm-hmm. You know, I get a, I'd say probably a good at least. 20% of my business off of there. So I use it all the time for that. And then the messenger option is always good to keep in touch with my family, who's on there as well. Uh, just did that yesterday to find out what time Thanksgiving was going on. 
So you don't so, have any intention of like dialing back your Facebook usage? Not really. I mean, I'm always looking up people that I remember from high school and so on, where all of a sudden I'll think of that and, oh, gee, well, let's look up this person and let's look up this person and there's this person on there. And, Let me ask and you this, Danny. Do you ever, do you buy stuff based on, do you ever click on the ads or do you buy stuff based on ads you see on Facebook? Every once in a while. Um, I didn't used to, but now that I've been on there, you know, as long as I have, I see some posts for like t-shirts or so on. Okay. That, that are like designed almost for me. And I look at that and just go, oh, gosh, that's too clever. I got to go ahead and buy that. Okay. I, I just did that two days ago. Okay, good enough. Thanks to call. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I don't I don't think Facebook is going to go away. But I, I also know that there's a lot of other platforms that uh, especially younger people are, are using that, that strikes them as being a lot more relevant as far as communicating with their friends than, than Facebook. And that's going to be the challenge that Facebook has moving forward. Let's see, here's another text. I use Facebook, and I don't intend to stop anytime soon. I use it for keeping in touch with family and friends and creating goofy posts. I also follow some local celebrities on Facebook. Um, I don't like the politics, but there's always the hide and unfollow controls. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that has driven some people either off of Facebook or driven them to stop following people, some people on Facebook, has been the obsession that some folks have with 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 politics and the idea that, you know, there, there's some people who, again, use it like I'm talking about, use it to keep track with your, let, let's find out, you know, what the grandkids did, or let's find out, you know, where your friends are. Oh, they've gone on vacation again, that sort of stuff. And then there's other people who, who use it to kind of talk about their political views or whatever. There's a lot of people out there who don't care about that. They just don't want to see it. That's not the purpose. And so they end up dialing it back. Bottom line is, th- this is, I think, a defining moment for Facebook. And it is going to be really interesting, I think, over the course of the next six months to a year to determine whether or not Congress is going to get involved and is going to treat Facebook as, as essentially a, a monopoly operation and decide to regulate it. I will tell you my initial reaction is I don't think that's the appropriate response. I, I think the way you know Facebook is held in line is the way typically we hold a lot of things in line, which is just the free market competition, other people, other mousetraps being built that perhaps might be better. And I think Facebook's going to have to figure out a way to adapt. But if you're wondering why there's some of the problems going on in the stock market today, including in the tech industry. I think you lay them at the door of Facebook because it's been it's been a rocky time, and Facebook is just getting the cheese kicked out of it um, in Congress. Lots of unfavorable stories in the national press over the last couple of days. So something to consider. It's 151. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 154. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Coming up in about 10 minutes. It is. The hot category for gifts this holiday season. We will talk about that. Trigger warnings for plays. I don't know, a new type of bar that's getting a lot of success and some other things as well. Uh, Brad Schimmel, the surprise of nobody, announcing today that he's not going to seek a recall. He ended up losing by, well, less than 18,000 votes, which is less than a percentage point. Could have could have asked for a recall. He would have had to pay for it himself, but they would have had no trouble raising the money. 
but to his credit, I think Brad and Brad Schimmel, I, I've known him, gosh, since the 1980s when he worked in the Waukesha DA's office. I, he, he's always been a classy guy, and I think this is, uh, you know, 18,000 votes. I mean, it, they weren't going to change that. I mean, maybe maybe you pick up 500 votes or 1,000 votes, 18,000 votes, just too big a gap. And Brad Schimmel says today he's not going to ask for a recall, which is what you would expect. It was a classy move in something that wasn't necessarily classy. And I, as as I think if you are a regular listener to this program, you, you know that I'm one of these people who is very conflicted by by this president. I think that many of the things that he did and does are, are, are good. For example, I think the tax reform bill is going to be very, very good for this country. I support it. I've supported his two choices for the U.S. Supreme Court. I think they have been good. I think the cutbacks on regulation that we've seen over the last couple of years are, are good and tend to and will help the economy grow. That's on the good side. On the negative side is that there's, there's so much about the way the president does things that I'm going to use the word off-putting. And whenever I say that, people say, what do you mean off-putting? It's worse than that. But, but it's the, it is the tendency to the, the thin-skinned nature of the, of the beast and the tendency to, you know, pick fights and what I call punch down. I mean, it, you know, it started after President Trump, you know, first took over. I thought maybe given the fact that he'd won, he would be able to kind of dial dial it back, but it started off with this silly fight over how many people showed up at the inauguration. Like, who cares? I mean, who cares whether it was bigger than Barack Obama's or smaller? It just doesn't. It just doesn't matter. But yet, that's how this this administration started, and it's and it's gone on since then. I do think that if you look at what happened in the midterm elections, and I've made this point before, where Republicans have to see this, because unlike, say, Ronald Reagan, who won in 1980 with, with, a, with a vote that was pretty much, we don't want Jimmy Carter, Reagan was able to take his base and expand it, and it led to him just an electoral landslide in 1984 when he ran against Walter Mondale. Well, what President Trump has done is, I think over the last two years, he's become more entrenched, more dug in, and and he hasn't, not only has he not expanded his base, but I think he's alienated some of the people, a lot of the people, who voted for him in 2016 as a show of, we don't want to vote for Hillary Clinton. Well, he, he's losing those. I think, you, particularly when you look at suburban women, and you see that in a lot of the election results. And then, you know, he, so he hasn't broadened it; he's actually narrowing it. And yes, and you can have these rallies where you've got the hardcore supporters that turn out, maybe even a lot of them. But that's that's not enough to get you reelected, and it's also not enough to avoid taking down. I don't know another number of other people who are running as Republicans. So it's it's that style, and I I don't know that he's going to change it. But it seems to me if he doesn't change it, he's looking at an electoral disaster unless the Democrats just go out and nominate a, a kook, which is always possible. But and, and unless they do that, it's not looking good, in my opinion, for reelection. But then he he does stuff like he did over the weekend. Um, he sends out this tweet, and he's upset with a a congressman from California whose name is Adam Schiff, S-C-H-I-F-F, who is raising questions about whether or not, and and Schiff 
is going to be taking over the House Intelligence Committee next year. And Schiff is raising questions about, you know, whether or not the acting attorney general can serve. All right. And there, there's a legal issue there. To my point of view, the legal issue has no merit. The acting attorney general has the ability to serve. But in, in the tweet that the president sign, sends out, instead of referring to Congressman Schiff as Congressman Schiff, he says, so funny to see little Adam, and then instead of Schiff, the two Fs at the end of the name, he puts in two Ts, which completely, I, and, you know, maybe it's accidental, but I, I think the implication is, okay, you, you've, you've turned this guy's name into a vulgarity. Why? Because, again, it's a complete and total distraction. And if the is going to be successful in recapturing people that voted for him, in 2016 and doing what he really needs to do to win which is to expand on that he's got to knock that stuff off he just does is he capable of it well stay tuned 159 jeff wagner wtmj it's 208 jeff wagner wtmj so groove producing the show today and always over the weekend i'm in um, i'm in the pet store that i go to because I had to buy, I needed some more dog food, and I needed some more of these, like the meal mixers that we put in. So I'm, I'm there, so I get the stuff, oh, and I needed a couple more of these, like, bull, these bully rings, these chew rings that she has. So, so I did that. So this is, so I, that's all set. Now, my dog has more toys than you can imagine. The last thing my dog needs is another toy, but I, I can't help it. I'm there. They've got this wall of toys that's up there. So I've gotten the things that I have to get. And then, like again, like a moth to the flame, I'm drawn to the wall of toys. And I'm sitting there looking at different toys. And even though the dog has a million different toys, even though the, the constant battle is only to put out so many toys at, at once or else they end up being all over the floor, I'm looking, I'm looking, and, oh, there's a Santa Claus. We've got to get the Santa Claus ornament. So... Like $8 later, we've got the squeaky Santa Claus ornament that I come home and the dog, you know, and she kind of plays around with that. And then she goes back to the other things that she likes. But but I, I can't help it. I, I could not get out of the pet store without buying the toy for my dog. Now, I was thinking about that when I stumbled across this story in the Chicago Tribune today. And Gru, who's producing the show today and always, it, it, it actually... It's a story about millennials, which I know you kind of resent being thrown into that category in general, but age-wise, you are. And, you know, a lot of times we talk about, when we talk about millennials, we, we talk about, you know, the financial challenges that people face when you come out of school and the job market might not be that great in your chosen field and you've got monster student loans and how do you avoid living in mom's basement and instead, you know, buy your own house and all, all those all those different types of things. So we talk about that, but this is this is one where I found common ground between myself and millennials. Because here's the story in the Chicago Tribune. Millennials plan to spend big on their pets this holiday season. Millennials love this. This is the story, Chicago Tribune. Millennials love their pets, and that love is showing up on the holiday credit card bills. The much-discussed generation of shoppers, known for their industry-disrupting tastes, will spend heavily on their pets this season, more than double what consumer consumers overall are expected to spend, according to a new report. 
Millennial households earning 70000 or more will be the biggest spenders, forking over an average of $183 for pet gifts this holiday versus the $67 overall that overall customers will spend, according to this report. High-earning millennials feeling good about the economy will spend an average of about two grand on all gifts this holiday season, including including humans. The holiday spending comes as pet owners increasingly treat their animals like members of their families, a trend known as humanization, boosting spending for premium pet food and toys. And then they have the psychologist that says it's the same kind of joy you get when you bring home a gift to a small child. Then it talks about how pet stores are cashing in on the trend. Petco is rolling out project products targeted at gift-seeking consumers. Christmas, Hanukkah-themed stockings, toys, treats already on the shelves. Millennial customers are fanatics about their pets, says this psychologist, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then they interview a 32-year-old, lives in New York, says... I'm going to give my cat some extra treats, maybe one of those Christmas trees that have catnip in them, noting that his cat is equal priority as friends and family when it comes to holiday gifts. My cat is my sole responsibility. She is a perpetual kid. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Wisconsin. How do you handle your pets at the holiday season? You know, when you have the gifts that are under the tree for your spouse or for your kids or your grandkids or your nieces and nephews or whatever that is, I mean, is there going to be a space reserved for, for the pets? And, and is, is your pet treated as that, that humanization, a member of the family that, you know, you're going to treat accordingly? So is the pet going to get the gifts as well? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I have to confess, I, I have to confess um, that that's going to be the case in the Wagner household. There, there's, I, I can't get out of a pet store without making sure that, oh, here's the latest toy or something. And I have no doubt that, you know, when Santa comes down that chimney on Christmas Eve, Santa is going to make sure that, in this case, my little dog ends up getting a, getting something. Now, am I going to spend... I mean, that kind of dough, am I going to be dropping $200 on the toys? I don't know about that. But there's definitely going to be toys there. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. They talk about it being humanization. That's the fancy word that people give. I, I get it because I acknowledge that, I mean, I I treat I treat my dog like a, a member of the family, and she's going to get toys like everybody else is going to get gifts. 414-799-1620. You're going to be spending on your pet this this Christmas, this holiday season, or does this strike you as just, gee, this is bizarre. These are people with too much money on their hands. 414-799-1620. We discuss in a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 214, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Big story in the Chicago Tribune today, talking about how, how millennials planning to spend big on their pets this, this holiday season. I don't know that I would even limit it to millennials. I, I'm gonna, I don't know if I'm gonna be spending as big as they say, but I, I can't get out of a pet store without, without buying, 
buying that latest toy for my dog. And I, I have a feeling, depending on whether my wife lets me go nuts in the pet store, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of presents for my dog under the Christmas tree this year. Lisa in West Bend. Hi, Lisa. You're on WTMJ. Hi. So nice to talk to you. I listen to your show all the time. You are a woman of discerning taste. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I am a fanatic. I travel for my job all the time, and I am constantly stopping into pet stores and buying my dog, Dylan, treats or stuffed animals or whatever I can possibly find for him. He is so spoiled. <laughs> okay. He brings us so much joy. I mean, my dog, I warm his blankets in the dryer in the, in the wintertime when it's cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> and I don't even do it for my husband. Well, that, okay, so so your husband's going, wait a second, Lisa, I'm, I'm, not, I, yeah. you're, I, I'm jumping under these cold covers. The dog has a warm blanket, huh? Exactly. Exactly. I well, you know, it's just I I don't I I I've, for people who aren't into pets, it's kind of difficult to describe the joy that that having that animal spirit and the joy that pets bring you. But I mean, I that's kind of how I feel about my dog as well. And it's sort of like I I I mean, the other day, honest to goodness, so I get the stuff that she needs, and I'm looking at this wall of toys. I think I would have felt guilty. Now the dog would have known one way or the other, but if I would have come in without that little squeaky toy, I would have felt guilty, like I let her down. Absolutely. Yeah. I I bring my I give my dog ice cream every in the summertime when we go for walks and um. But the last warm day it was, we came home from a walk, and I felt guilty that he didn't have any of his ice cream. So I had to run to Sunday to buy some because I couldn't take the guilt. <laughs> I, thanks, Rico. Lisa, I, I, Lisa I, I understand I understand it perfectly. I, I Now, I don't know that I've run out, uh, but... Would I eat the last the ice cream? No, but if I'm if I'm sitting there and I'm eating some vanilla ice cream, that the last spoonful is, is going to go to my dog. That's just the flat out bottom line truth. And if that makes me a bad person, well, okay. Uh, let's talk to Sandy in McGuanago. Sandy, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Uh, my mother for Christmas. Um, she she says she has everything. So from now on, a few years back, I do for her. I do for the dog. She gets the biggest kick. Out of me just buying the dog something, coming early, taking the dog for a nice walk. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I kind of do that weekly right. uh, just to get the dog out. Otherwise, the poor thing's on the treadmill all the time. Right. But so, but so, I mean, Christmas, it's it's not going to be prim- primarily gifts for your mom. It's going to be cr- gifts for your mom's dog. <laughs> Correct. She's already told me that the dog lives here. I am secondary. The dog lives there. Well, I think a lot of people might feel that way. I mean, they're joking around, of course. But yeah, it's 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 funny how people connect with their pets and and on the different types of level that people connect. I'm just happy she has her dog. Well, yeah, she has nobody else, and the dog makes her very happy. Well, it, it is. I mean, th- thanks for calling. I mean, I have a text from somebody who says, Jeff, I don't get it. Pets are, are just kind of animals. Well, I, you know, I, I might have thought that. I might have thought that till my dog came into my life, to tell you the, the truth. And I, I was one of these people that for years and years resisted getting a, a dog because the argument was, well, why, why bother doing something like that? It just, it's going to tie you down. You know, you're not going to be able to travel as much or if you're going to, Go away for a week. You got to figure out, you know, who's going to take care of the dog and all those things, and you got to walk the dog. And I, I, I had all of that, and then just through a variety of circumstances in my life, we, we ended up getting the, this dog. She's three and a half years old now, 
and it's been just one of the great joys of my life. And maybe that sounds silly to talk about a pet that way, but this dog's been one of the great joys of, of my life. And it it does, you know, you've got this other little body, to this other little spirit that, that you have to take care of and things like that. But, you know, there's something nice about you, you come home after a long day at whatever, and that that dog is going to love you unconditionally, and the dog is going to be glad to see you, and it doesn't matter whether you've had a crummy day or a great day. It just doesn't matter whatever else is going on in your life. That dog is going to be just thrilled to see you, and, you know, it's just it's just a wonderful time, and I can't tell you how glad I am that I have one of these animal spirits that um, – in my life here's, here's somebody do you put ice in the dog's water when it's hot out no i haven't i haven't i haven't done that haven't done that yet but i i, I will give the dog ice cream and i will like many people be spending some extra dough on her come uh come the holiday times it's 222 this is jeff wagner wtmj 224 jeff wagner wtmj after a couple days off, the Bucks are back back at it from Pfizer Forum in the middle of a six-game homestand. You realize the Bucks have they are tied with Toronto for the most wins in the Eastern Conference, uh, playing well above 700 ball, which is just I mean absolutely incredible. Ted Davis is on the call as Milwaukee welcomes the Denver Nuggets to town. Our coverage starts with Buck shots at 6:30 this evening. Now, look, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, and I'm. I, I follow college basketball more than I follow pro basketball, but for years and years, the the Golden State Warriors were sort of, it was them and everybody else in the NBA, and, and you'd start the season, and you know that it was going to be Golden State at the end. Now, Golden State is still a formidable team. There's no question about it, but they've lost four out of their last five games. Now, I understand what happens in November doesn't necessarily translate into what's going to happen in April, April May, and they're still a formidable team. There, there's no question about that at all. But but maybe this is the year where there will be other teams that have a realistic chance of of making the finals and and maybe just maybe the the Bucks could be one of those. How how cool would that be if that was able to occur? Because I tell you, it's long way. But the team is playing really really good basketball and they're sort of fun to watch. We were in a. Um, my wife got off of work a little bit early Friday, so we went to a, a late dinner. We're sitting in a, we're sitting at the bar in a restaurant, you know, eating Friday night. It's like nine o'clock. Bucks had a late game. It started at eight thirty, late home game, and they were behind the Chicago Bulls. And I admit, I'm grumbling. I'm sitting there thinking the Bulls are just horrible. They are a hot mess, and they're ahead of the Bucks by like nineteen points. Third quarter rolls around, and the Bucks end up going on a swing they score 46 points in the third quarter and then you know it's all over but the shouting how cool was that one final thought about the dog and this is the way that that animals affect your life your lives so our thanksgiving is hectic my my wife has to work during the day and then afterwards we're going over to her daughter's who has a big thanksgiving thing and we're, we're sitting there trying to figure out how we can do it with the least cars possible and then you know how how we can figure out who's going to get home to how not who's going to how am I going to get home and what's the do we need to take two cars so I can leave early or something to go take the dog out can we bring the dog all these different dynamics but it's you know I understand for people who have small children in many cases your holidays are based on you know what what are we going to do with the kids etc nowadays my holiday is based on okay how much time do we have and you know what are we going to do with Sasha and how are we going to take care of that all right President Trump. Last hour, I was talking a little bit about how 
one of the challenges that his administration faces when he runs for re-election is expanding expanding the audience. He he you know, he has his hardcore people who love him. But that's like 30 to 35% of of the electorate. That's not enough to get you reelected. And unlike President Reagan and even to an extent President Nixon, when they were running for re-election, respective reelections, they were able to expand their base. And they, they won landslide elections when they ran for re-election. President Trump, I don't think he's been able to expand his base. In fact, I, I think what's happened is he's he's alienated some of the people who weren't hardcore supporters of, of him, but who didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton. And, and one of the ways he does this is by this kind of, what I describe as, as this, this punching down and, and picking fights that you really, you can't win. I talked about, you know, in the last hour, sending out this text where uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, he either inadvertently or intentionally misspells Congressman Schiff's name, adding two T's in place of the two F's, so you get the vulgarity. Well, one of the things that he did was in an interview with Chris Wallace on Fox News. Now, one of one of the the somebody who's been critical of him is this retired four-star admiral, William McRaven, who served under President Bush, who served under Barack Obama, he was the leader of the operation that killed Osama bin Laden. All right, so President Trump is doing this interview, and and th- this this rear admiral has been critical of President Trump about you know some of the remarks that the president made to the media. But but the guy's a retired rear admiral who was in charge of the mission to kill Osama bin Laden. So. During the interview, Chris Wallace starts to ask the president about some of the things the guy said, and the president cuts him off and says, he's a Hillary Clinton fan. And, the, okay, so Chris Wallace decides, all right, he starts his question again, and President Trump stops him and goes, excuse me, Hillary Clinton fan, who led the operations, commanded the operations that took down Saddam Hussein and that killed Osama bin Laden, says your sentiment is the, greater threat to demo- is the greatest threat to democracy in his lifetime, Wallace says. And then the president's response is, okay, he's a killer, he's a Hillary Clinton backer, an Obama backer, and frankly, and Chris Wallace says, well, he was a Navy SEAL for 37 years. And then the president says, well, wouldn't it have been nice if we had gotten Osama bin Laden a lot sooner? Um, you know, it, it's, it's again, it, it's this thing that you kind of just, just cringe on because I'm sitting there thinking, all right, why, why pick this particular fight? You're confronted with the fact that the guy's criticizing you and your remarks to the press. Okay, then just respond. Well, I, I, I appreciate his service, but I think, you know, he's clearly wrong. This is why I think the press is a great threat to democracy, blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying, oh, he's a Hillary Clinton backer, and wouldn't it have been nice if we'd gotten Osama bin Laden sooner? That's not the stuff that endears you to the voters you need if you're going to win re-election in 2020 and take along a bunch of Republicans with you. Just saying. It's 235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Uh, Jonathan Green, we've heard his voice on one of the commercials there. A number of years ago, Jonathan Green, working with uh, our friend Jim Kaczmarek at, at, at uh, Capco, came up with an idea for something to do around the holidays. And the idea was Kids to Kids Christmas. It is something that we have done for years and years now as a partner with the great folks at Capco. The idea being 
to not just try to obtain toys, for example, for needy kids at around the holidays, but rather to try to make it a family thing. The idea of the idea was, okay, maybe take your kid and in order to teach them the the value of of the holidays, take your kid uh, let them pick out a toy that's then going to be passed on to a, a needy child. And it, it's really been amazing to me to watch how this whole thing has grown and taken off. We do a number of events coming up in the next couple of weeks, as has always been the case. We'll be doing some remotes. Uh, we'll be out at VMP Manor Park, for example. We'll be out at uh, the Cent- Albrecht Century in Delafield. And again, we, we encourage you to drop off toys. None of this would be possible, though, without our, our great friends at Capco. And today is really the the official kickoff of our Kids to Kids Christmas campaign 2018. And we're joined by Sarah Grover from uh, Capco. Sarah, hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you? Very. I am very, very well and excited. Back again for another year of Kids to Kids Christmas. We are 13th annual year. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about what what you hope to try to accomplish and how successful this has been over the years. Absolutely. Well, I can tell you right now, I'm looking at the ticker on our website, and in the next 25 days, 9 hours, 22 minutes, and 54 seconds, our goal is to collect literally tens of thousands of toys all over southeastern Wisconsin. And in doing that, the impact then goes back and is magnified over hundreds, if not thousands, of children and families in need during the holiday season. And like you talked about, our mission, our impact is truly teaching kids the spirit of giving and ensuring that every child has a memorable holiday. How do we do it? Well, again, the partnership with 620 WTMJ Radio and CAPCO and literally hundreds of schools and businesses across southeastern Wisconsin, that's how we do it. The... For everybody, for anybody who hasn't been out at, at Capco on the, the last weekend, the last day of the event and seen all the toys that you guys stack up inside your facility, <laughs> it, it's just, it, it is, I try to describe it to people. I said, I mean, it's just walls and walls of Barbie dolls and toys and footballs and all these things. It's really yeah. incredible. It, it is. And that actually takes place on this year on December 15th. And between now and then, those toys are accumulated everywhere. And when you said walls of this and that, we have rooms throughout our facility here at Capco. There's the Lego room, the Star Wars room. There's sports, uh, arts and crafts, and bicycles. You wouldn't believe how many bicycles people donate. Just so very generous in helping us fulfill this mission. And, yeah, they're all on display. It's awesome to see. And, and bring more toys that day on, on that December 15th day, absolutely. How many toys do you estimate that, uh, again, based on past experience, how many toys do you estimate that people will, will give us this year? Well, we estimate that we will blow out of the water. Our goal last year was over 20,000, and we hit 22,800. So this year our goal is to far surpass that. We love to see 25,000. Personally, I know we can go a lot of that because I've, I've seen the people that are working on it. Just a little FYI, over the years that we've been doing this, to kind of give you an idea, we've collected over 183,000 toys to date. And, and I am always amazed. Like you were talking about bicycles. I mean, again, some people... The, the, the toys are the toys, and it, it really some some are very uh, are very inexpensive toys. Some are incredibly expensive toys. It, it it just doesn't matter. I mean, the idea is we want to have toys so we can give to the, the the kids that might not be getting toys otherwise this year. 
Correct. And, you know, the, like you said, they go from very simple toy to, to electronics. I would have to say uh, we really we fill the gap with, with smaller children, the younger ch- kids, uh, toddler size. But the older kids, you know, what do you get them for Christmas that isn't in that higher price range or something? And we have very generous donors. Um, this year, we actually opened the opportunity. You don't know what to get. You don't have time to bring it. We have the opportunity for online giving. Okay. And with our our new website, um, www.kidskidstoydrive.com, you can go on and you can make a donation. As little as $10 is, is sky's the limit. Our elves will go shopping <laughs> for you and fill in those gaps that we identify as needs with the many lists that we receive from the agency. So new, new piece of it this year. That's why I'm pretty confident that that right. toy number is going to go pretty high. And that's all wonderful, but at the same time, one of again the purposes too is we we love to encourage you know mom and dad to to take their child out and and actually make it a family event. Go shopping with the idea that we're going to buy something that's going to be going to a, a child who's less fortunate. Yes, and and you know going out and buying that, Jeff. Not just that mom and dad hand them that ten, twenty dollar, five dollar bill, but previously to that. They've talked with them about this opportunity, and, you know, maybe they get out, they do a couple extra chores, or they, they help mom out, or they, they do something extra for grandma and grandpa or the neighbor, and they learn that it's not just about, okay, here's the money, I'm going to go, but that I actually sacrifice and learn the true spirit of giving. That is truly the heart of it. Uh, today, we just put up a video that our student leadership committee did, and there are some girls on that committee that have served. They're right now, they're, you know, juniors and seniors in high school, but they've been serving five to eight years as volunteers with Kids to Kids, truly the heart and spirit of giving. And those girls have a video along with some other high school students who lead this. They plan that December 15th event, and they rally this through the Ozaki County High Schools. It's just, it's really seeing them all grow through it and know that there are others in need that they're actually directly helping and and learning it and living it year-round then. So, Sarah, you've, you've got the website for people who want more information. I know we're going to be doing an all-day event. It starts at noon, a week from Friday. We're going to be at VMP Manor Park in West Dallas. week after that, we're going to have an event, my show and the Wisconsin Afternoon News Show. Again, on that following Friday, is going to originate from Albrecht Century in Delafield, where we've been before. And those days, we'll, we'll hit it hard. We'll encourage people to come by, drop off toys, all sorts of great events. But But beyond those... You know, how can people get involved with this? Oh, they, there are so many ways, Jeff. Um, on a personal level, on a business level, on school levels, they they can do as little as uh, going out and, like we said, talked about, having the child buy the toy. If you go again to the website, so much information there. It's going to be loaded with all of the 29 Culver's locations that collect on a regular daily okay. basis. There are many businesses that are going to be cited on there collecting not just Ozaki County, but Milwaukee County as well. And that they can do inside the businesses. Challenge your, your competitor business or your customers or your vendors to match your donations. As you go out into the, the uh, public sector, you can do things at parades. We've got some local municipalities who are going to be putting up collection um, containers at their, their holiday events, like uh, Festive Fridays in downtown Cedarburg. Port Washington Christmas Parade. So we're partnering with a lot of places like that. You guys have been uh, kind enough to the next Friday when you do the uh, VMP event. We're also going to be doing a phone bank. So people, again, if you can't get out, we're making it 
so easy to just be a part of that spirit of giving that uh, there really isn't anywhere you can't go, call, or be to make mm-hmm. a difference. And everybody should mark December 15th because that, that is at Capco in Grafton. And I, I've been, I, I think pretty much every year I've managed to go up there and see it. And, you, and the, the, the final event, it's just incredible. You have reindeer, you have hot chocolate, you have all sorts of great stuff, and the, the chance to look at walls and walls of toys. It's just a wonderful event all over. It, it is um, live music from all of the area choirs, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. that day. We have mascots from all over. Uh, Bango has been here. Roscoe from the Admirals has been here. Uh, we've had the Star Wars characters here. So you've got that. You've got um, Salvation Army, one of our major partners in distributing the toys right. for the Kids to Kids Toy Drive. They are here with their canteen and their bounce house. You said live reindeer. <laughs> It's, it's such a great day, and um, another feature of it is the first responders of Ozaki County themselves to a huge drive countywide, and they parade in with their toys and the trucks. It's, it's an all-encompassing, everybody gets together, gets it done, and at the end of the day, tens of thousands of toys go out the door to needy families and kids. Well, Sarah, I, I want to thank you for spending some time with me. This is the this is the official start of Kids Against Christmas. You've got information on your website. We'll be talking a lot about this over the course of the next couple of weeks, and it is always a pleasure. I just love to see the way the community comes together for this wonderful event. They indeed do, and thank you so much to you guys. Thank you to everyone for, for helping us make this a great event, and let's just make 2018 an amazing year. Sarah, thanks so much for your time, and we'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Thank you. Sarah Grover from Kids to Kids Christmas. Yeah, it's in, what did she say, 13 years? Boy, time just absolutely flies. But uh, we'll have all sorts of opportunities. Uh, again, all the Culver's restaurants, you can drop off toys. It's a great thing to participate. And again, we're going to be back on the road a week from Friday and then two weeks from Friday as well. That's always a lot of fun to get out and see so many people. 245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I want to save my vaccination story for tomorrow. I, I will give you a hint, though. There were a number of childhood diseases which were essentially eradicated through different um, vaccinations that came. Measles was one of them. Chicken pox was another. Chicken pox essentially was eradicated. And now it's making a huge comeback because you have people who've decided, well, you know, we saw something on the Internet or whatever, and, and we don't want to have our kids vaccinated. So now what you're seeing is a resurgence of, of chickenpox. I've got a story about a particular community that, that has an extremely high incidence of people who opt out of vaccinations, kids, to go to public schools. And, and what's the result? Well, chickenpox is roaring back. These kids are getting sick, and some people are getting really sick. We're going to talk about that a little bit tomorrow because I understand whenever we go down this route, we we get into a, a lot of debates about, well, you shouldn't tell me that my kids have to be vaccinated, etc. I'm willing to take the chance, which is fine as far as it goes. But you're not just taking a chance with your child. You're taking a chance with other people's children who, who might not be they're either too young to be vaccinated or maybe they've got you know uh, compromised immune systems or maybe older people, etc. We'll talk about a little bit about that tomorrow. I, there, there's a story that, that's been percolating in, in Milwaukee County. It's one of these stories where everybody's right and everybody's wrong on, on some certain levels. If you have been noticing over the last several months, there has been what they describe as a, a tent city, which is sort of developed 
in, in downtown Milwaukee, kind of by the freeway, sort of near the courthouse. And it, I started noticing it in middle of the summer, but an, a number of, of homeless people who decided that they were going to put up tents, in many cases, tents that were being supplied by some of these relief agencies, and they were going to start essentially living under the freeway overpasses. And they've done that with the, the blessing of the authorities. Now, I, I think that that's an issue. Um, again, th- this is just me. I understand people have to have some place to go. But the idea of officially sanctioned tent cities where you have people who are are living, I don't think it's a very good idea. I think it results in all sorts of potential problems, and I, I think that it's not the answer to this. All right now that it is getting cold, you really have a problem because you have these people who are living in these tents under freeway overpasses, and on, on any given day, there's tens of them, maybe hundreds sometimes. And all right, it's it gets down to ten, twenty degrees. Well, you know, you don't want to be in a tent living under a freeway overpass, and it, it's only going to get colder. Well, the problem in Milwaukee is there are certain warming rooms that they have that they open up, but they only open them up when it hits 10 degrees. Well, okay, 10 degrees, 20 degrees, there, there's really the way it feels if you're outside. There's really not that much of a difference. And so you have a number of these public advocacy groups who are saying, look, here's what we need to do. We need more of some of these warming areas, and, and what the city of Milwaukee should do is take some of these unused public buildings, and Lord knows there's a number of unused vacant Milwaukee public buildings, and what we should do is we should use these as temp- as warming rooms, provide heat, and allow people, when it gets to 20 or 25 instead of 10, allow people to go and and stay there overnight to be out of the cold. The city of Milwaukee so far refuses to do that. The city of Milwaukee, in my opinion, is wrong in that regard. And the people, these, these advocacy groups for the homeless, who heart their heart is in the right place. I think this idea of encouraging people to stay outside in tents, I think it's bad public policy. I think it's dangerous, and I don't think it is to the overall benefit of the community. Having said that, I, I understand that particularly in the colder weather, you know, people who don't have a place to otherwise go need that place. So the idea of turning a couple of these vacant Milwaukee buildings, and Lord knows, like I say, you've got a lot of them, opening them up, turning on the heat, and providing them as a place where people can go to get out of the cold – I think that makes a lot of sense, and I don't think you should have to wait till it's 10 degrees outside to do that. If I were the mayor, I would be trying to encourage people to, let, let's break down these tent cities. We don't want people setting up these tents and living under freeway overpasses. That is a recipe for disaster. And to try to give some of these folks a place, somewhere to go, they don't have anywhere else to go, Let's take some of these vacant buildings, let's put on a little bit of heat, and let's let them hang out there during the, the, the evening hours, during the overnight, so that you know they're not going to wake up with hypothermia. It seems to me that that's the way to do it. Break down the tent city, open up the warming rooms, expand the warming rooms, and everybody ends up winning. Just saying. It's 2.54. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind. Please stick around.